Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back, everyone, to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and today I have the privilege of having Moshe Pinto on the show. He is the CEO at Wider Circle. Uh, when he launched the company, they set out. They set out to really on a mission to find a better way to help Americans thrive at any age. Over the course of his journey, his team has learned that the most effective approach to enabling better health and independence is to integrate support and services at the community level, making it easier for neighbors to take the best care of each other. They're working on some incredible things with health plans nationally to connect members with family members to inform, support, and motivate our most vulnerable populations. Uh, we're going to have a great discussion with him today. His background is, has been in healthcare with various companies developing solutions for chronic care conditions. And so with that, I want to I welcome Moshe to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Saul. It's a great pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, absolutely, Moshe. And so you've got a really, you know, community-based way of making things happen, you know, for care coordination, for, for population health. And so I'd love to, to learn more about you and, and what inspires your work in healthcare. Yeah. So, you know, what inspired my work in healthcare is several things. It starts with the uh, fundamental belief that health is a foundation for a satisfying and fulfilling life. And when your health um, is taken away from you, uh, life could never be good. And uh, as I thought of where I would want to apply my talent, I thought that focusing in an area that is as important for a quality of life was, was more important than that ensuring that a commercial service works better or reaches more people. So that, that's first. And, and the second is a, a personal experience. A, I'm originally from Israel. In Israel, we have a draft and serving in the Israeli army taught me that healing is much, much harder than, than hurting mm -hmm. and that operations or the rate at which we do things in the real world move at the pace of trust. And the combination of those beliefs and meeting some, some folks serendipitously at Stanford University during my time there led me to be in healthcare. I love it. Yeah. And um, I love that what you said, operations move at the speed of trust. And uh, that's so true. And, you know, we're, we're faced with some continued challenges right now. The topic of the COVID-19 vaccine, you guys are doing a lot there. Uh, so definitely looking forward to hearing some of your takes around that. But, you know, I, I would also say that maybe some of the apprehension is lack of trust and lack of information. So back to your point, right? And so talk to us about what Wider Circle is doing in general, and then maybe take us to the efforts that you guys are doing with the COVID-19 vaccine. Absolutely glad to do so. So at Wider Circle, our mission is to 
Connect Neighbors for Better Health. And underneath that is really a new community care model in which able neighbors are the pinnacle of, of supporting their less able neighbors. And together they form this trusted delivery network that enables healthcare information to flow better and healthcare information to translate into action. And, and really our strategy to achieve our mission is three-pronged. It starts with being in the last mile of healthcare to build trust and relationship. And that's not a trivial dictum. Uh, healthcare has been going through a process of becoming more transactional. You know, I have, uh, I've been a member of the same health plan for past 15 years. I've never spoken with anyone from the plan, nor have I met them. And the few times that I do need to interact with them, I try to do it via an app. That's a transactional healthcare at its best, a relationship-based healthcare, which is really essential with disenfranchised American and vulnerable populations where A, healthcare is a more consistent need. It's not a, as, as episodic. And second, the barriers of trust and the disempowerment are such where you need to build a more consistent relationship, I think getting closer to members. And what I mean by being closer, being there in the last mile of healthcare in every neighborhood, uh, knocking on every door, talking to people inside their homes, uh, at their balconies, is on their balconies, sorry, is essential for you to build meaningful relationships that translate to actions. And I've, I've just told you about myself that I've never met uh, or seen anyone from the plan Wider Circle sees uh, its members in person between 10 and 20 times every year. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, this hand-on-hand -hand interaction being there is what leads to this creation of trust that enables us to basically translate it into real action. And it's really the second, second uh, uh, I guess, pinnacle of that is galvanizing able plan members to volunteers as, with us as community ambassadors that extend and scale are reaching the community. The inspiration for this was my own mom. You know, when I went to visit her for that, I had a fancy job at a private equity group. I was shaken to my core by the tolls of aging on my own mom, who's my hero. And when I asked her what's up, my mom in her blunt, direct way says, you know, irrelevance kills you. I, I want to feel needed. I want to be useful. I need to have a good reason to get out of bed every morning. And that made me think about seniors, and baby boomer organizing moms as this wonderful, awesome resource, knowledgeable resource that we could basically further their own health and by giving them a good reason to get out of bed every morning. We could be culturally competent in every community. One of the most humbling experiences in, in wider circle has been that nobody cares about what the whiskeys from Stanford think. And you really, if you want to build trust, you need to be hyper culturally competent, very local. We deliver Connect for Life in five different languages, ranging from Khmer, Cantonese, English, Spanish, uh, Vietnamese, because in every community, people trust and tend to be influenced by people who are like them or like people that they aspire to be. And that's a key principle that guides wider circle, the liking principle. That is also enabled by engaging this wonderful resource, which is the community ambassadors. That's how we get a unique vantage point that no other actor in the healthcare system has. It happens when Maria speaks with their neighbor Lincoln every week over years. And, and that's how we learn that, that maybe Lincoln's pet passed and he, he might sink into, a, a, into depression, didn't feel like getting out of bed. A typical health plan would know about it when the, 
when Lincoln would show up in the ER, we would know about very early, organize the neighbors, go to the animal shelter, bring a pet and prevent a very costly adverse health event and more importantly, improve Lincoln's life. And the third element of this is really having physical support group. The other element is that is that it has to be a group intervention. When we thought about this, the challenges of growing old, the challenges of disenfranchisement, and there being uh, at its base, this uh, fundamental loneliness and isolation. It starts with not being needed, with not having a good reason to get out of bed every morning. California might lose your driving license, would be hard to get around, even go grocery shopping. And then you might lose your spouse or, or a husband and be uh, isolated uh, on top of, of lacking the sense of purpose. We find many of these issues affecting disenfranchised poor Americans as well. They lack this communal support. And we think that until you address people's motivation to live, provide them a good reason to get out of bed every morning, all healthcare efforts, all case management, care management, motivational efforts would fall short of their true potential. Health plan execs always ask me, you know, we offer seniors $500 a year to just do the right thing. Go get your checkup, get your HbA1c tested, People living off of social security annuity and still fewer than 20% of seniors act on this. And we explain to them that it's not about pecuniary rewards. Pecuniary rewards matter when you have motivation to live, when you want to participate, when you want to be around. And you cannot assume that with disenfranchised populations. And so in many ways, wider circle is, is bucking the trend where healthcare is becoming technology, process efficiency. We say people first. Technology enables this people-to-people interaction. In many ways, it's bringing care back to healthcare because that's how we win trust. We show people we care. We do motivational interviewing at scale. Think about the 75,000 lonely and anxious seniors that we support throughout COVID via the buddy program. That's a lot about helping them, you know, withstand the tolls of, of social distancing, but also about finding motivation to take better care, to engage with self-care and make that, that happen. So I, I just commented on how wider circle is start and cherishes with being there in being hand on hand in every community. The pandemic has obviously challenged our ability to do so. I'll tell you how we responded in a second. I just want to share one member story. Yeah, please. He epitomizes what Wider Circle about. And so when, when member Lincoln Stratan, that's, uh, that's one of our, our members here in California, learned that his neighbor, Maria Teresa Juarez, uh, needed emergency food support, he wanted to help. He actually used the $50 remaining on his CalFresh card. He's part of a Medicaid support program, so he gets a CalFresh food program card. He went to the grocery store and picked up the Alice's Friendly Food because Maria was on dialysis, Maria can safely eat until her next second the harvest box arrives. Lincoln is 80 and uses a walker, but he never lets that stop him from helping fellow wider circle neighbors. Uh, he represents to me everything we stand for and strive to achieve, really a sustainable community full of members who help one another and able to thrive without our help. It's something that, you know, when, when it happens to me personally, it gives me a motivation to carry on. And uh, thankfully, these stories abound, even with the, with the young and, and disenfranchised. So we're always humbled and surprised to see 
what our real heroes and our facilitators and ambassadors who have been knocking on doors, meeting people in person, delivering food throughout the pandemic are really frontline workers that by and large volunteer because they love their neighbors and love what we do. And to me, that's, a, that's an ever-growing fountain of hope. I'll tell you one, one last story before I discuss COVID, and that, and that pertains to our efforts in, in Michigan. You know, in, in many ways, in and around greater Detroit, we are dealing with many of, I think, the open fissures in our society. You know, uh, massive inequality blended with some, with some racism, existence of a food desert. Basically, in downtown Detroit, it would take you 20 minutes to find an apple. And pockets of minority communities that haven't really made effort or were integrated into our society. And so we work there with, with the Medicaid plan that's really innovative and forward and looking and believes that operations move at the pace of trust. And throughout the pandemic, we are knocking on members' door. And when we knocked on, on Calvin's door, he was surprised to see us. Calvin hasn't seen a doctor or had his teeth looked at in about nine years. And he's never met anyone from the, uh, the plan. He was uh, in his, uh, in his uh, early 30s, chronically disemployed. On his porch, he, he told us that he often worries about food can't find a job and he worries about not having enough to eat. And uh, we visited his home once more before he started attending our events despite the, uh, the pandemic. The first thing, we ensured that, that he had enough food and contacted our partners at the local food bank so that Calvin receives a community food box twice a month. And with support from his friends and wider circle, he now has a checkup. He visited a dentist and he will soon be getting glasses, which is a why he lost his uh, his previous job. He just wasn't seeing well and he thought he couldn't afford glasses. Didn't even know that he has a free vision benefit. To me, these two stories, young and old, black and white, on the West Coast, in the Midwest, demonstrate that we all need somebody to lean on and that operations move at the pace of trust. And that's really what Quieter Circle does. I commented on being there and delivering hand-on-hand -hand engagement at the last mile to build trust is at the core. Pandemic has challenged our ability to do so. I think in the process, it made us better. And we launched, we responded by launching a suite of tools and services that first addressed immediate safety and access to care needs. And their offer, thereafter, sorry, offered a distant socializing services to members sheltering in place. See, one of our key concerns was that Social distancing is going to translate into a pandemic of depression. Uh, our health plans customers have been sharing with us that the customer service lines have been flooded with calls from anxious, lonely, and isolated members. And so we started by doing um, welfare checks. We've reached about 120,000 seniors to assess their well-being. We first asked, do you have any, any COVID symptoms? Then we wanted to see whether they're able to access care. You know, we serve, I think, more than 10,000 seniors who are illiterate in any language. Sometimes they tell us kind of amazing stories of, um, you know, working in the field from being five-year-old and, uh, and how they've never gotten to school and never received any formal education so they can't read or, or write. And they tell us that even before they told their own children. I keep wondering how you could go through 50 years of life in America without being able uh, to read and build a family and send your kids to college. And so we, we, with folks like that and with all of our members, we're focused on, can you access 
healthcare if you're not feeling well. After verifying that you're feeling well, if you don't feel well, you know what uh, you need to do. It embarked on a massive telehealth education campaign for those members that had challenges with digital literacy. We placed them on an emergency phone tree and they had a neighbor that proactively reaches out to them uh, once a day. Each time there's a state alert in LA County, reaches out to them, make sure that they know what's going on, even if they didn't get the texting, know how to sign up for the texting services. Then we assess their ability to access food or medication. You know, we've often seen couples of uh, seniors that were just stranded. Usually one is caregiving for the other and with sheltering in place and challenges with public transport for folks who can't drive. Folks who had means became food insecure. Like, look, we, we've got resources. We just can't, can't leave the house, can't leave them alone. There's no way I could go to a supermarket. There's no public transport. So we, we assessed those needs uh, around food insecurity. The other one was maintenance medication. Close to 70% of all of our members uh, in all the states we serve have multiple chronic conditions, more than two. That means maintenance medication that needs to be there and enrolling folks in mail-order delivery of drugs. But after assessing the needs, our engagement specialists really focused on addressing those needs. What, do, what does that mean? It means that you know, a partnership development team forms partnership with the likes of Uber uh, to deliver food, Albertson and lo local food banks to source food, and LinkedIn and Helping Hands to source volunteers. And we've had LinkedIn employees who wanted to do well through the pandemic that were supporting seniors and helping hand volunteers that came from all over the Silicon Valley that sought for ways to, to engage. And we became this connecting tissue that enabled all this magic to happen. And, you know, with as, as I said in the beginning, with more than a thousand committed seniors, volunteer ambassadors engaging their neighbors, these are the, the most important partner of all. And they've demonstrated that repeatedly through the the pandemic. And that's how we deliver food throughout today. I will comment just on one primary effort and, and also to not to ensure that I'm, I'm not construed as a technology a hater, because I'm actually a geek in nature. And in previous life, I've built diabetes technology and an artificial kidney. I believe in technology. I also believe that we need somebody, not a, not a Tamaguchi. And so we have, in terms of how you enable this all to operate at, at scale, our partners have challenged us to do so. Optum Care has, has approached us and said, how could we quickly, efficiently scan tens of thousands of people and assess their needs? We love the fact that your volunteers call and reach out, but it just doesn't happen fast enough to meet the scale of the pandemic and the scale of the need. And so our technology team, uh, right here in the in the heart of the uh, Silicon Valley, has developed a chatbot and a chatbot that enabled us to scan 70,000 members at a very low cost in a span of days and more than quadruple food delivery pace to about 30,000 uh, meals per week, really through an effort that scanned needs automatically when folks uh, expressed any, they got to speak with a, with a person that's scheduled and fed um, the need into an automatic ba backend and coordinated it with our uh, with our partners, with with our delivery partners in in Ubers or with the facilitators that, that deliver the food in case we did so 
and with our food partners at the local food banks. We have built a system that is so flexible that we could deploy service and support members in need in Pennsylvania within eight days of being asked to do so. We were already delivering food in the ground in a state in which we had no operations heretofore. And I'll say that beyond uh, addressing food, addressing basically inconsistency with access to, to medication or care, we stay true to our core of connecting people to better health. And it also means that the service development team quickly adapted in-person services to in-home, in-drive-throughs. We're doing throughout our, the states in which we operate drive-through events, in which we people are in their cars and we do flu shot vaccination campaign that are combined with flu kits and general education about vaccination and often we would involve caregivers in the actual event so that we could complete it there and then. We conduct close to, I think, 1,500, we've conducted, sorry, more than 1,500 virtual events in which more than between 10 and 30 participants in each call that are done on a specific platform that had to be developed as part of this effort that enables senior or older adult adapted calling and video conferencing platform. And on those, we really focus on health education and health promotion, be it related to the pandemic or in general, what's in it for me with the checkup? Why should I have a checkup? What, a, what is an individual care plan? How would it help me? And how would it enable me to be at my granddaughter's graduation when she graduates college? So with that, I hope that I've shared a bit about what Wider Circle does and about how we responded to the pandemic. Yeah, no, Moshe, I appreciate that. And, and certainly the work that you guys are doing is critical to communities, how you're getting in touch with the toughest needs, you know, the food insecurity, making sure that people have all of the, the basics, really what we we're calling now social determinants of health. It's critical to driving results. And so I'm thankful that you and your community is, is, is focused in that effort, doing a very human-centric approach to really help drive healthier lifestyles and, and healthier lives for, for, for many people that deserve it. So if you had to leave us with a uh, with closing thought, Moshe, what, what would the closing thought be? And then tell us where the listeners could get in touch with you for, for, or, or somebody on your team to continue the discussion. Yeah, thanks for that. So I think I think the closing thought pertains to to social determinants of health uh, in general. So for many years, it's been a zeitgeist. It's been something which everyone liked to talk about, and the aggregators in healthcare, the big plans and providers that aggregate all the resources of the federal government and dispense them, uh, have started committing more and more resources to it. To me, as someone that uh, you know, had to spend at $1.40 million on securing a national coverage decision for a new device, it was never clear that health plans should pay tacos. You know, that because when everything uh, else falters, you show up in the emergency department and the health plan picks up a tab that they should engage in an effort to connect you, engage you, and prevent or ameliorate, address these determinants in your life that, that have contributed to this situation. Uh, what excites me is that I think that this uh, skepticism, and skepticism I mean when you by, by just assessing the amount of resources dedicated to the effort starts to dissipate. What is really key, I think, for everyone who's trying to bring about 
change is actually to think like a health plan. And what I mean by that is to think carefully through the attribution and verification of the impact of what you do in quality of care and acute care resource metrics that are important to a health plan. I fundamentally believe in that, not because, not just because it's important to a health plan, because I fundamentally believe that primary care is air traffic control of wellness in the third age. And if you don't have a family doctor that you like, that you enjoy engaging with, uh, it's very hard to take better care. And so measuring engagement with preventative care, then being true to the effort so that you could ensure continued resourcing of your endeavor. Wider Circle hasn't lost a single customer in the past five years, and some of our customers have increased the spend with us 50x. They're all good people, but I think our discipline in demonstrating the bang for the buck is really what powers this unique and vitally important, as you suggested, a social mission that we have. Wider Circle has consistently demonstrated that across Medicare and Medicaid, it returns $4 per member per month for every dollar investment invested through keeping people out of the hospital, giving them back healthy days, through closing uh, specific gaps in care, getting people to get the breast cancer screening, colorectal cancer screening, a rheumatoid arthritis consult, and diabetes screening that keeps them healthy and add years to their life. I think that it's really important that many of the folks that are out there trying to bring about change would be disciplined in thinking through how it scales. I think it scales through the resources of the big aggregators. And I think that thinking like like an aggregator would yield to a more robust impact on members and a, and a, a more impactful change in the world, which is what I assume folks are trying to do. Uh, in terms of contacting me, there are many, many ways to contact me. Folks are more than welcome to contact me at Moshe, M-O-S-H-E, at widercircle.com or try to contact us through our website, www.widercircle.com. So thanks, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to share some of the Wider Circle story with you. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's been our pleasure, Moshe. And uh, we appreciate your insights and, you know, ultimately this idea of connecting, thinking like a, an aggregator, the, the, the payers, to ultimately make an impact. That's what leads to, to a healthier world, uh, a focus on, on health care, not, not sick care. And you're doing amazing things, Moshe. Just keep up the awesome work. And we're really grateful that you uh, came here to the Outcomes Rocket to share it. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for for giving a stage to uh, folks that are trying to bring about a change. It's a wonderful thing. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network but you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.